This is Christian Book Blurb, brought to you by author and songwriter Matt McClary. Get a behind-the-scenes glimpse into the lives of some of your favourite Christian authors, hear about their books and faith. Also, why not check out my website, mattmcclary.com. Hello, welcome to episode three of Christian Book Blurb. I'm your host, Matt McClary. Thank you so much for joining us again. Um, today we've got another fantastic interview and conversation with another amazing Christian author, Howard Weber. But it is December, so it's our Christmas special episode, which is fantastic because Howard Weber has just released a book called Gift Beyond Measure, Inspiring Poems for Christmas, which we're going to be talking about a little bit more in some more detail, as well as other things that he does and about his life and things in just a moment. So welcome, Howard. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. And before we start having our chat, um, I thought to get us in the in the festive uh, spirit of things, um, would you mind reading one of your poems from the book? Yeah, we'll do. Uh, the poem is titled Broken. I crept up to the broken door of the broken cattle shed and just across the broken floor saw his broken manger bed. Even the silence was broken by a baying, neighing sound. Even the darkness was broken as the lamplight shone around. Even some te tears had broken down his weary father's face. Even her heart was broken, giving birth in so foul a place. Only one thing remained there, unblemished, unspoilt, undefiled. Only one thing was unbroken, that tiny, helpless child. Yet this child would one day be broken, nailed to an old broken tree. And the one with the hammer and nails, when I look, I'm shocked. For it's me. Mm, really good, thank you, Howard. Um, so let's let's start then with with a little bit about you. Um, where where do you live? What do you do? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm retired, uh, or meant to be retired. <laughs> um, I'm kept pretty busy. I, yeah. I I live in Bournemouth with my wife. Uh, we have five children, all grown up, of course, mm -hmm. and uh, six grandchildren. Uh, yes, you are kept pretty busy then. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Two of our daughters actually live in, in Bournemouth, which is one of the reasons we retired here. We, we have no background in Bournemouth other than mm. holidays, but uh, two of the daughters and their husbands settled here and others aren't very far away. So I have one boy and four girls and the girls aren't far away. So Fantastic. Really good. Um, so... Let's let's have a little look at your your new book then, Gift Beyond Measure: Inspiring Poems for Christmas. Um, yes. It always fascinates me um, how things like this begin. So, what what inspired you to to write write a book of Christmas poems? Where did it come from? Well, it it's, well, it started about 35, 36 years ago. I had a great difficulty finding any Christmas card for us to send to family and friends, believers, non-believers, and to our congregation. Because um, I was a full-time minister, full-time Salvation Army officer mm. of the congregation, okay. the church. And um, 
despite my efforts to find, even amongst religious Christmas cards, I couldn't find anything with a, a, a good message, a nice, solid mm. message. Mm. Um, they, they were nice <laughs> and pretty, but they weren't what I was looking for. So I started to, to create my own and, and write a verse um, or verses. And over the years, uh, the people that have been on the receiving and the recipients of them have been saying to me for ages, why don't you bring them together in a book? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got other things to do. And the, the word's sufficient for a book, I felt, anyway. And I, I didn't know the worth of what I wrote, write, really. Mm. Anyway, um, I wrote a book about 10 years ago that won an award. And more recently, I thought, well, I'm getting old now. If I don't do it soon, <laughs> it won't get done. So early this year, I brought them all together and sent them to a couple of publishers. And one of them agreed to publish it. Um, one of my daughters, who's an artist, has um, created, I think it's 16 illustrations to illustrate mm. um, particular poems on, you know, fa- on the facing page. Mm. Uh, so that's basically the background to the book. Mm, fantastic. And so apart from um, not being able to find an appropriate Christmas card, um, let, let, let's look at some of the let's look at some of the poems, maybe in a bit bit more detail. Um, were there some you found really easy to write? Were there some that were really difficult? Um, you know, what, what, talk us through some of the process behind writing yeah. some of them. Well, obviously, there's um, a, a schedule when it comes to Christmas and getting the cards. You know, especially these days through the computer, I, I used to give them to a printer, and that, then it got expensive and it was a very fiddly job. Mm. I mean, the first one was difficult. Uh, the one that I've just read, Broken, for instance, mm. I started writing. It, it, it wasn't in that form. I just wanted to share something of the brokenness of the of the world in that situation. Mm. And as I was writing it, I had a little read through the first lines I'd written and Broken turned up several times. I thought I was taught at school. You don't repeat a word in the same <laughs> paragraph or sentence. Yeah. And so I was scratching my head looking for replacement words. Mm. Um, then I went to have my tea. I was called for tea. And while I was sitting there and the children were doing whatever they were doing, and suddenly what entered my head um, could have been the Holy Spirit. It doesn't sound, you know, people think Holy Spirit, spiritual things. But um, what entered my head was that little rhyme there was a crooked man and he walked a crooked mile mm. and he found a crooked sixpence against a crooked, crooked star, style. And yeah. crooked every, every phrase is crooked. Yeah. Like, yeah. I know what I can do. I can reverse it and actually repeat it loads of times, mm. possibly. Because what entered my head as I ate my tea was, you know, you can have a brokenness of heart. You can have broken things. Tears can break down your down mm. your face and mm. you know there was a multitude of things enter my head mm. so obviously i couldn't wait to, to get away from the tea table and scribble them down yeah yeah and then get them into some form yeah and the realization that actually in all that brokenness there was only one unbroken thing and that was that mm. baby really nice and then suddenly i thought yeah and even he will be broken one day uh, yeah He'll join us in our brokenness yeah and that's how it that particular one came about came about yeah i i used to be a school teacher and you spent ages teaching the children 
what you were saying about, you know, oh, you've already used that word once in the paragraph and can you think of something different and all that kind of thing. And then it comes to a poetry lesson and you stand up and announce to the class, all those rules I've just taught you, forget them. (laughs) (laughs) You can do what you like in poetry, (laughs) break all the rules. That's part of it. Oh, fantastic. Um, So that's great talking about the process of that one. Are there any others that stick out to you um, from the book that you might want to dig a little bit into for us today? Well, there's another one that is, um, uh, I'll just look it up. It's about school nativity and knowing that Mm. many that would be receiving the card (laughs) will be parents or grandparents who've been to school nativities. Yeah. I felt, you know, we'll look at school nativity and the fact that the frequently the children get it wrong and there's a lot yeah. of amusement and they're trying their hardest and they forget things despite yeah. all their effort. And so I, I wrote and... a poem around there. But in terms, but what in the, was in the back of my mind, before God, we're just children. We like to think we're growing up when we're adults. <laughs> But, you know, he's got a script for us and we don't necessarily keep to the script. Mm-hmm. And um, and he can be waiting for us to get it right. And so that's where I landed up with that particular one. And. Uh, no, great. It, it, it seems to be it, it's, it's quite a good one for people to explore, I suppose. So you've done it in your poetry. But when you were just mentioning it, I thought of there's a there's a few movies um about nativity with david tennant and it's all these anxious parents behind the 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 sidelines all you know wanting their child to take the starring role and all that kind of stuff going on it's quite a funny comedy actually um but yes that that's a great subject great topic you mentioned um you have a background as a salvation army minister that kind of thing why don't why don't we just spend a bit of time exploring that for a bit um how did that work? And maybe even how did you come to faith and that kind of lead you into ministry and that kind of thing? Yes. Well, uh, I was taken to Sunday school as a child, um, a very young child, you know, pre-primary school, what would be like nursery on a Sunday, mm. um, playing in the sandpit with the stories that uh, I, I was told. And, and when I was about, I think I was seven, I'd moved into the proper Sunday school and within the Salvation Army, I don't know whether it happens in other churches, you know, the stories are shared and then there's a, a chance for response. And it certainly was in those days. And I, I sought the saviour for myself, having mm. listened to, to the message and the appeal. And um, Jesus was very real to me, even as a little child. It didn't mean I didn't get up to mischief or I was <laughs> some sort of super spiritual child. But there was a, a deep awareness of a reality and um and as i got older i had this longing i had this feeling in my childhood heart that if everyone else felt as i felt and had what i had they'd be as happy as i am Hmm. we weren't well off we were you know fairly average family living in the council house and dad had a job but um we didn't go on holiday and we didn't have a car and stuff like that. You know, we're talking about the 50s. And um, anyway, uh, I offered for ministry. We have a thing called junior candidateship. And uh, I applied before you could because I was very keen because I felt that that was the avenue 
maybe I was being called towards, but certainly an avenue that would offer me the opportunity to share. Mm. Um, and then I became a full candidate. But, you know, when you're a child, you're not aware of everything around you. you certainly in church, you can have this idealised view of everything around you and believe that everyone is living according to what they've been listening to and what they've been reading in the Bible, etc. Mm. And so, but as you get older, your vision widens and you're aware of more people than you ever were. You were down your little narrow avenue of your friends and mm. things were happening around you that you're oblivious to. But as that widens out, as it does in every sphere, you know, young person, I became aware of things that disturbed me. Mm. Uh, things that shouldn't have been, and that exists in every church, I guess. And instead of keeping my eye on Jesus and Jesus alone, because whatever anyone else is doing has nothing to do with my relationship to him or his to me, but we so easily can take our eyes off Christ. Um, mm. It can be through hurts we experience, and our obsession can be our, the hurts and the injustices. Mm. Um, I'm not saying they don't hurt, and I'm not saying they're not just, but we need to keep focus on Jesus and relate what we experienced to what he experienced. He was, you know, disappointed with people. He was hurt by people. Mm. You know, we have an affinity to Christ if we're focused mm. on him and we can relate mm. everything we experience. But the trouble was that I fell away. Um, I not only left the Salvation Army in which I'd grown up, but I... Um, I left Christ. The thing is, you can't live in disobedience and be happy. Mm. And I decided that I'd carry on being a Christian and still be in the church, but I wasn't going to go into full-time ministry after all. Right. And that was disobedience. And, um, and I wasn't happy. I lost my happiness because I was focused on the wrong things. And in the end, I left completely. We moved away. Um, I, I met my wife and we fell in love. We met at the church. She was a new convert, um, new to Christ, no, no background. And um, we moved away to Bristol from Canterbury where I grew up. And uh, I was determined not to go anywhere near anywhere. So what brought you back again? Well... If you've known Christ, you can never unknow what you know, whatever you might deny and say. It's like any experience. If you had had, had, you've had an experience of something, you can't deny you've had that experience, <laughs> even if you wish you hadn't. Mm. But anyway, um, we moved again after five years. I don't want to go into the detail of being in Bristol. Yeah. And um, we, by then we had two little children. One was about four and one was about two. And my wife was going around a friend in the village. We were in Northamptonshire. And uh, she went off and, you know, make sure you put them to bed, make sure you check they're all right. I had my orders like a hubby. <laughs> uh, I put them to bed. I didn't, I didn't pray with them. I didn't, you know, that's how far away I'd got. Didn't pray with them. I didn't tell them Bible stories. We did nursery rhymes and, you know, stories. And... I worked in a hospital and I'd been on call. I was very tired. And normally I filled my waking hours with activity and busyness. Mm. You know, I never sat in silence. I came to the conclusion 
you know, years later, that God just loves silence. It doesn't get much of it, especially these days with mm. mobiles and all sorts of other mm. intrusions on silence. But Podcasts. It, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, anyway, um, I put the children to bed and we had, we had a little song and dance and stories and stuff and they fell asleep. Well, instead of getting up and getting going on doing something, going in the garden or or some do-it-yourself, or reading, or put the telly on. I just sat there looking at the children. It wasn't dark, summary. And um, as I was looking at them, like most parents, I guess, I, I was wondering what their future held for them. Thinking about their future, for some reason, I think it was the Holy Spirit's guidance, to be honest. I, not at the time, in retrospect. Mm, mm. I started to think about when I was their sort of age and my past. And I, I suddenly thought to myself, when I was their age, <laughs> the council lorry is going by. Can yeah, you can, I can hear it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it never comes. <laughs> Yo, they come on Thursday. I don't know what it's doing now. <laughs> anyway, the, the point is that um, thinking about my past, I suddenly had this sense, we've got a house of our own with mortgage. I've just bought a brand new car. My money isn't too bad. We've got everything we want. Lovely village, no problems there. Lovely neighbor, you know, everything people want. But thinking back, I thought, actually I had something more precious than this when I was not much older than my children. Mm. And I haven't got that anymore. And with all of this, there is still a there's a hole that once was filled. Mm. And I hadn't entered that room even thinking of the Lord, but my mind moved there. And the longing to have what I had as a little boy. Mm. And it got such that I knelt at my little boy. They were asleep by now. I knelt at my little boy's bed. And I just prayed a simple prayer. I mean, nothing happened. And then uh, there was an intensity. I can't explain it very mm. clearly, but an intensity in my heart that grew to the point where I broke down and wept. Mm. I hadn't cried for years. My wife mm. had never seen me cry as I pleaded and also confess my sinfulness to God. Mm. Mm. And there was a long delay before anything happened. Now, I wonder if anything was going to happen. But, but what God did in that, time, in, in that period, and it, we're talking of an hour or more. I, I, I didn't time it. it. It was dark when I opened my eyes and got up. Um, I think sometimes when we come to God and we come and we mean what we say and we're sincere in what we, we say, I, I sense God saying, yeah, I take all that in and that's great. It's what I want to hear. But mm. you do it on my terms. You want forgiveness of sins and you can think of some of your mm. sins, particularly your, but actually you need to see it from my vantage point. Mm. And what he did, he drew me down. I, this is what I sense to a point where he broke me and I saw myself in the darkest, mm. unforgivable colors. And it was at that point of absolute brokenness in tears that I suddenly had this sense he's forgiven me mm. 
as I say, it may have been an hour, it may have been two hours. It was a long time. Mm. And I didn't go from it. But I, I knew that something real had happened. Mm. And I had a piece. Mm. My, my wife came home because the shame of it is that I, I dragged her away. She'd come to know the Lord a little while before I met her. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she came home from seeing her friends. I was in the kitchen and I said, oh, hello, love, I had a good evening. And she said, oh, yes, you know, getting her shoes off. And she always went up and got changed when she came home. I said, do you want a cup of tea? She said, are you all right? I said, what do you mean? Uh, I've made you a cup of tea before. <laughs> I'll make light. And I'd, I'd been to the mirror a few times to try and get rid of the redness in my eyes. And, mm. and, and I thought I'd been successful that I looked... Um, normal were normal for me and um, she said are you all right and I said yes why she said you're different I said what do you mean I'm different she said I don't know Mm. something happened and I said I I really feel my whole future hung on my reply to my wife Mm. because I didn't know how she would take what I'm going to tell her and I said, yeah, something else happened. She said, oh, the children. I said, nothing to do with the children. I said, you go and get changed, and I'll make a cup of tea, and we'll sit together, and I'll tell you. Mm. And as I spoke to her and shared my heart, she started to weep. And she said, why didn't you tell me? I said, I've never really been happy. It's nothing to do with the wonderful wife or the wonderful family or the wonderful house or anything, the job. It's nothing to do with any of that. Or Despite all the happiness I get from all that underneath, mm-hmm. I'm, I've not been content. Mm. And she shared how she wasn't, there was something missing. Mm. And we, we committed our lives back to Christ mm. that evening. Wow, that's a beautiful story. Thank you, Howard, for sharing that with us. That's really, really touching. Thank you. Um, you mentioned another book that you had written um, some years ago now. Yes. That, that won some awards and that, that sort of thing. Um, which one was it? Was it Meeting Jesus or was it um, No Longer I? Or was it, it another was one altogether? <laughs> no, it was the, <laughs> no I've, this, is, this is my third one, The Gift of okay. Meet, Meeting Jesus was the first one. And I shared experiences of people meeting with Jesus, some who responded, mm. um, some who rejected, mm. uh, some who appeared to respond, just like the seed that's planted that shoots up and mm. then dies off in Jesus' mm. story mm. of the sower. Um, and I shared those stories. And the book's in two halves. There's all these stories. And then looking at the issues involved and um, looking at salvation, really, mm. what I wanted to do in that book was to encourage people to read. You haven't got to be an evangelist. You know, yeah. he's, he's the evangelist. That's You've right. got to tune into his initiative, what is. You're with somebody, listen carefully, listen to them, but also listen to what the Spirit's saying through what they're saying. Even if they're total anti-God, yeah, yeah. God may say, tell you something, when to speak, when not to speak, what to say, what not to say. You might not see it as a script written out because it won't be. It's only yeah. in retrospect sometimes yeah. you realise. Yeah. But anyway, I, I sent it off when the book was printed, uh, published. I sent a copy to Christianity magazine or Premier mm, Christianity. Mm, mm. And um, they, well, even in that, there was something wonderful happened. Um, 
I never heard anything where you don't necessarily when you yeah send something off yeah yeah ask them for a review in the magazine but I thought well even if they're not going to review it did they get it I could be waiting and they haven't received it so I phoned the office and it happened that the I think I've got this right the assistant editor was walking past the phone and the secretary wasn't there and she picked it up (laughs) and she spoke to me um and she, she explained that they get hundreds literally hundreds of books yeah we've got a table in the other room piled with books yours was probably amongst them i said all right so what was the book about and it was only afterwards i thought i'm an idiot i'm a clown i didn't tell her what the book was about my reply was i shared my heart and my longing to see people come to know christ Mm -hmm. i gave her this background (laughs) that wasn't about the book but she went and found it and she rang me back that evening and said she'd found it and she'd read the first two chapters and been affected and she wanted to re- go through the whole, mm. book. the whole book. yeah. And she would be giving it to the editor. And anyway, they they um, reviewed it. Then it was shortlisted for a, their book of the year. And then the following year, someone who I, I didn't have a magazine, um, they, <laughs> someone, a friend of mine, got on to me and said, Oh, you've won the book of the year prize. Oh, well, wow. Don't wind me up. You know? <laughs> um, but it turned out to be true. And um, oh, really know, good. The... Yes, I find that about evangelism. Um, as you say, um, everyone, if, if Jesus is in your heart, you can share him with others. Yeah. Um, and also, um, I've I've found personally that it's it's a lot more about sowing seed. Rather than expecting, you know, you you tell someone about Jesus and there's some sort of light that breaks through the sky and all of a sudden they make this amazing decision right there on on the the spot. It's a lot less of that kind of thing and a lot more being real, being genuine, just this is what Jesus is doing in my life and just sharing little seeds, little seeds, never quite knowing what those are going to do in the lives of the others. And, And personally, I may never see that seed i planted bear fruit but yes. someone else down the line might might see that and it's just it's yes just, yeah just sowing seeds as we go in a yes. sort of natural part of life well thank you howard thank you for joining us today on christian book blurb um we are going to finish with you reading just one more of your poems from your new book gift beyond measure inspiring poems for Christmas. But before we do that, if someone wants to grab a copy of this book, how would they go about doing that? Well, it's uh, in Christian bookshops. It can be ordered through any any bookshop. It's obviously uh, around on the internet, or Amazon, etc. Um, I do have copies as well. Uh, they could contact me, message me on Facebook. So that's Howard Howard Weber on Facebook with a double B, Howard Weber. Yes. Great. Okay, fantastic. Well, thank you so much for for joining us um, on the podcast today. It's been great chatting and getting to know you. Um, So I'll I'll leave you to have the last word with with your poem. I think that'll be a great way to close. So I'll just say thank you so much. And I hope you and your family have a very Merry Christmas. Thank you very much. And thank you for the privilege of sharing Christmas gift there is a gift more wonderful than
than any gift this world can give. A gift so bright and beautiful, it makes our Christmas glitz seem drab. Yet few have eyes to see that gift, although they look into that stall, and few reach out to grasp at it, although they celebrate it all. O oh, Father, give us eyes to see what lies beyond that tiny crib, beyond the babe in swaddling clothes, beyond the donkey shepherd's shed. Help us to see that which we miss, which would complete what isn't whole. For underneath this Christmas wrap lies matchless bliss to swamp the soul. Enjoy your family and your friends, the carols, cars, the food, the fun. Enjoy the children's shrieks of glee as they delight in everything. When then you take the tinsel down, return the tree to attic dark, may you have found that gift sublime and know him living in your heart. God bless you all. Thanks for listening to Christian Book Blurb with your host, Matt McClary. Do give it a like, give it a share, and let your friends know all about it. We do hope to see you again soon on another Christian Book Blurb.